Welcome, Jimbo. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Were you called Jimbo at school? Yeah, from people that liked me. A few of the boys calling, you know, I find in Australia it's so much slang, right, like Benny, Jimbo. Yeah, it's how do we um, lengthen it or, you know, make it more friendly, 100%. Jimbo it was. Okay, let's roll with Jimbo. So A-game, director, founder A-game, where did that idea come from? What does it mean? And it means so much to me. I think, look, ultimately A-game is always about, you know, how can you be when you're best, you know, in every sort of area. And for me at the moment, it's property people, um, you know, doing the advocacy side of the business and then doing the development side. It's passion's always been about property since I was a little kid. And then the advocacy side's brought the people aspects of it, which has been another passion of mine. So literally every day I get to do both. But A-game is about bringing your best. Um, and in this space at the moment, it's all around property. How can I bring my best to the clients that I serve and for my own developments and, and that kind of thing? But, you know, it means so much more in terms of how can you be your best you know, as well, mentally, spiritually, physically, all that kind of stuff. I love it. Do you tell your clients or your prospective clients? Um, I'm sure they don't probably <laughs> ask you about They probably don't say, hey, what does A-game mean? But do, do you give them, do you elaborate like you just did then? I do. At least for the ones that are interested, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about giving people what they want because this whole service, it's all about the client. It's not about me. So I know what I stand for and what I stand for is how do I bring my best for them. I think they can see that when I, they initially talk to me and they always say I'm super passionate about what I do. Um, and they always know what A-game means because it's all over the website in terms of we bring our best to you, our A-game property. So, you know, if you've asked about it, like where did it come from? And it's just, it's one of those things. It's been, it's been in my head for like 10 years and it's now, it's almost weird sometimes to, to think that, you know, the company name is A-game and it's been in my mind for like the last 10 years. So what you think and put out there is what you create eventually. Yeah, I like it. Good stuff. Jimbo, you know, we've spoke offline numerous times and, you know, I'm a big fan of your, your backstory of what I have been told. And I, and I really believe it's, it's what's driving your, your success now that you've got out of that corporate pharmaceutical, you know, industry where you're running, obviously doing very, very well. I think your story is very deep rooted into who you are and I guess what you bring to the table. So I thought we could open up and just maybe you could share it some background and you can take this wherever you want to go and you can dive as deep as you want to go or not. But yeah. I guess um, it'd be good for the, the audience to hear who Jimbo is. Yeah, look, it's a big story, but um, I'll try and summarize it. Ultimately for me, you know, I was super passionate about property from a little kid, but grew up in a rough sort of Greek migrant family in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. It wasn't the big fat Greek wedding type of families where you get, a house when you get married. Unfortunately, that wasn't my story. Um, it was pretty rough sort of upbringing. You know, I was the eldest of four boys and, you know, I had to really take care of my brothers from a young age. Yeah, a lot of different environmental factors with my parents doing the best they can. I think everyone does the best they can with what they've got and they did the best they could with what they had. And for me, at a really young age, I just had to step up and be, be the boy slash man and, you know, be there for my brothers and sort of protect them and guide them through life at, at a really young age. But Ultimately, you know, I'm so grateful for that childhood, as rough as it was, it really led me and gave me the drive to get out of it and know there was something better out there. And I've created, you know, a different kind of life in terms of not only the, the physical, the material stuff, more the family component of it, which is so important to me. 
So in terms of having a, you know, an amazing life partner, my wife is awesome. We've been together for 24 years. We've got two great kids. It's completely the opposite type of family life that I had growing up and it's what I always dreamed of. And again, it goes back to those dreams. You know, I think ultimately for me, I really am a big believer about goal setting, visualization, about what you want. You can have, you can have anything you want. And I apply that now with what I do with my clients. Ultimately, it's, you know, if you're clear on what you want, from a property perspective or even a life perspective, you can have that. So, yeah, the backstory was really, you know, that it was a rough start to life that sort of gave me that determination, that drive to really, you know, get out of that scenario and build something for myself. And I always had a dream of property from a kid. Like I remember being 10. I, it was the funniest thing because everyone used to laugh at me. So I loved floor plans, house floor plans. And I'd have this, you know, exercise book and I would just hand draw you know, floor plan, the lots of hallways and the way that all would work. Uh, my parents used to think, what are you doing? And I'd say, I'm just drawing things, really bad drawer. And I thought I was going to be an architect. I thought, um, you know, I'll be an architect. So I remember year nine, one of the worst high schools in Australia, Dandy High, which is now closed. They, had, they offered graphics and I thought, oh, I'll take graphics, you know, and see how I go. And I was the worst student. I'm so bad at angles and that kind of mathematical stuff. And I thought, okay, this is not for me. So I just, you know, let it go. Then I got my bachelor into marketing management, did my MBA, climbed the ranks in the whole pharmaceutical industry and healthcare, allied health and did all that stuff. But I was constantly drawn to property. So, you know, started investing from a really young age, 22 bought my first place and then went on from there. But it became full circle that when I did my first development 15 years ago, I remember I hand drew those floor plans for those houses and I gave them to the architect and said, look, just put these into CAD because that's your your specialty, not mine. And they did. And then we would just we played around with them ultimately. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing that, you know, you don't have to be an architect, but you can still use that passion in the form that it plays itself out as. Were you the first out of your siblings to buy property? Yes. Yeah, and only until probably this year. So, the start of this year, the only. So, I bought my, my two brothers a house at the start of this year. Um, yeah, definitely not in that property space. So then my two younger brothers have got a house and one, one lives overseas who doesn't. Kind of, yeah. Once a builder, funnily enough, you know, so he's a, he's a builder, he's a bricklayer, but he didn't have his house until Feb. So now he's got his dream place, which I was able to buy for him. So it's pretty cool being able to do this. That's unreal. And I guess going back to the story, your, your backstory, which was, was not easy, I guess you can go in two ways, right? Like you can dig your own hole and just become a victim and just really your life can fall apart. I'm, I'm curious to know what was it that allowed you to go in a different, a complete different direction of ownership? And No, I love how you get deep because, you know, you go, oh, we'll take this however, however you want to take it. But let's just go a little bit deeper. But I think it's a really good question ultimately. I, and I don't really know the answer, but I just remember being a young kid thinking that there's going to be a better way to live than this. It was so challenging being in that environment of you know so many not great things and but i got to see uncles and aunties you know who were doing really well had their own businesses so i got to see a little little glimpses of their life you know of having money and property and that kind of stuff and we didn't have any of that you know in fact i had i remember we had a home and we had food and i remember getting my cousin's hand-me-down basketball clothes and he was two years older than me, same sort of size. I hated basketball. I had no idea what it was about. And I'd be wearing this basketball clothes and everyone would be going, oh, do you have this? 
no, mate, I'll just have to wear this standard clothing I've got. And that, I just remembered there was just something internal that I can't explain. And I think it was because of seeing others, being in that right and knowing that there was a way out, that people could do it. And if other people could do it, I figured, why couldn't I? So I'll never forget my first step was I've got to get a job. And I remember being, you know, 12, thinking I've got to get a job. You know, it's the only way to make money and start to buy things for myself, like food. So whatever food I wanted to eat versus the basic essentials, buy clothes, you know, the clothes that I wanted to wear versus clothes that I didn't want to wear. Um, and that's how it all began. I, re- I remember getting my first job at 13. That's the legal age back in those days where you could get a tax file number. And I was making $4 an hour at the fish and chip shop. And people used to think it was my parents' fish and chip shop. But no, if it was, my life would be different. Um, and I remember getting, you know, I worked there for six years. I got promoted to manager and so forth. And, you know, that first job in that first year was $4 an hour for grinding hard work. And, you know, I was very much drawn to personal development stories and speakers. And I was just consuming that at 13. Like, I was just a kid. Um, but I'd be listening to all these people, you know, and back then it was Anthony Robbins. Now it's, there's a lot of different people that inspire me, but back then it was him. And I've told you this story before and it's true. I mean, 13 year old kids, I love music and I love clothes and I'd save my money up for all that stuff. But I remember buying for 250 bucks, I saved that $4 an hour and got that Anthony Robbins CD collection and just started writing sort of goal books and, you know, vision boards and all that kind of stuff. And I've still got all that. And I look back, I mean, it's all in boxes, but occasionally I have, you know, some nostalgia and I go back and I look at all those things and I, you know, a lot of them were monetary stuff. A lot of them were just family stuff, like having the beautiful family that I have now with my kids and my wife and, you know, my friends and and my work. And I had every single thing that I wrote down between 13 and 20 when, when I was doing the real fundamental changes because I wanted to completely transform my life. I've got every single one of those things. They're all big ticks. And so I figured if I could do that back then, I can still do that. But the hardest part is getting really clear on what you want. And that's that's even the same thing that sort of transcends now through to my life, but also to, you know, clients' life. Because a lot of people come to me and they're not really sure about what they are after in a book. So step number one is get clear. Yep. Good, good advice. And a lot of people don't have goals. A lot of people don't have never done a vision board. I, I actually, my first sales coach, one of our sessions, I was super young and he, he said, um, he had card, like pieces of cardboard and all these magazines. And he said, we're doing a vision board. And I was like, what the fuck's vision board? Like, I was just thinking, like, I was like, what is this? Like, thinking, this is like being in play, like, you know, like preschool. He's like, no, no, just cut out things that, you know, just, resonate with you that you want to attract in your life. And anyway, I did the vision board. When I sold out of Cohen Handler, I found the vision board. It was like under some, it, it was just, it was, it was packed away. Anyway, I looked at it and everything on that vision board, not to the color, like I was very materialistic at that time. So the watch, the car, everything yeah. I, 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 I brought into my life. So it's, it's a very powerful yeah. exercise, isn't it? It is, and you know, t- depending on when you, where you are in your life, some, it takes a lot of time for it to come to fruition. Sometimes it can be quick, just depending on you know the process that you go through, where you are, and how you practice it. But it's super powerful, you know. And sometimes it's really hard to believe it, and in the beginning, I just you doubt it. But once you actually start to believe and visualize it and feel it and live it, 
um, it happens and it's magic. You know, just attracting people into your life that come in and you think, how did I even meet this person? But that person's helping me achieve the goal that I want to do. So um, ultimately you can know what the goal is, but you don't have to figure out how to get there because I don't know, I didn't know half, half the stuff of how I was going to achieve it. Um, but it's amazing the, the extraordinary people that I've been exposed to throughout my life, even in the corporate world, uh, personally, now, in the last few years especially, they just all come in and out when you need them. And it's almost like magic. So when you're living in the flow of life, it's just you know, things just happen easily and it's joyful versus, you know, earlier on in my life, it was just a grind. You know, like I really wanted to achieve the stuff, but I wasn't flowing. You know, I was just grinding my way through life to try and get everything. And I made it all happen, but it wasn't probably the happiest way to do it. Whereas now I get to live this awesome life doing what I love daily, um, spending more time with my kids who, are in, you know, I've got a preteen and a teenager. Financially, it's better, which is only a small piece of it. Daily, it's better because I get to deal with awesome people. I get to choose clients that I want to work with. I get to be in and out of properties all day and, you know, meet different types of people, agents, brokers, business partners, clients, and have that flexibility. So it's it's that dream life. And don't get me wrong, there's down days where you wake up. Like this morning, I woke up and I would just, you know, had a, not a great sleep and I thought, oh, not really feeling it today. But then I thought, I've got Ben, so I'm going to get pumped. It's, I'm not trying to romanticize it for people. Like, I'm not trying, trying to say that every day is an amazing day and I wake up super pumped. I've got to work really hard to be this pumped. You know, I've got to work on my mindset daily. You know, I've got to work. I've got to make sure I eat well. I've got to make sure I exercise. Well. I've got to do all that sort of stuff to be in this state. So, you know, I don't want to put out there that, oh, wow, it's amazing to just do whatever you want and do a gold book and then it just all magically happens. No way. This is like a daily exercise of hard work and I've got rituals that I do in terms of you know my morning habit stacks and stuff like that that I have to do for me to feel this good and do what I want to do um you've got to put the work in you don't just magically wake up and go oh I feel amazing and oh, I've got the best mindset everything's going to happen today it doesn't work like that so I just don't want to paint an illusion that this is super easy to get into this space because it takes work it takes work and I, I totally agree and I posted something this morning in one of my groups that said around, like I'm paraphrasing, but real wealth isn't like your fancy cars, your mansions, your yachts. Like real wealth is waking up 10 a.m. today, going to the gym, feeding your daughter, basically doing what you want when you want. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, mate, I could not agree more. I just get to live that every day now. And that is so true. That is the essence of life. Like I'll give you an example. I worked on Saturday, obviously, because Saturday's a big real estate day, So, but I didn't work long. You know, We bought a couple of houses, so I took two clients out to lunch. So it wasn't hard work. It was super fun. And then um, you know, I'm working all day today, but for, I get to pick up my son at 3.30, and then we're practicing. We've got a father-son soccer game on Saturday, which I know he'll beat me at. So I've got to put some practice in. So from 4 to 5, we're going to get to do some practice, um, and we'll do that again tomorrow uh, and Thursday as well because I can. I can do – I can structure my day to suit. You know, so I started really early today. Um, if I need to work later, I will, but I don't think I will. So I think that's where the freedom lies. And look, don't get me wrong, Benny, you know, I love the good things in life. You know, ultimately, I'm, I'm very much into cars, but I don't buy the, the difference is I don't, the car doesn't define me. I don't buy the car to show how amazing I am and that it's a status thing for me anymore. And, you know, a lot of people do that. And that's fine. Everyone can do their own thing. And I'm not to judge what you do 
But I think the difference from for me is that you know I don't have the you know, super fast car or whatever car just to show you how amazing I am because I feel okay with me inside now, so I'm good. I buy the car because I enjoy the car, you know, and you know I'm about to you know get a new car soon, and it's you know it's something that I've wanted for eight years. So it doesn't, again, doesn't happen, but this is like something that I just really passionate about and really enjoy. So you can take it away in a second; wouldn't phase me. But I will enjoy it while I have it. So I think that's the difference. You know, that freedom that comes, it's, it's just about doing what you want when you want to do it. It's about being the man, right? And instead of working for that man, you can do schedule your day the way, the way you want to schedule it. And yeah, we both work hard. I mean, gee, I know the hours you do. I know the hours I do. It's still, if you add it all up, it's probably a lot more work, but it's on your terms, you know? And so. There's no greater freedom than doing what you love and spending extra time doing it um, than being told, do this, do that, make sure this picture done by then, work on the weekends and get all, you know, that's, it's just such a different atmosphere to when I was working in really senior roles in healthcare. So, yeah. I guess you, you exited the, the corporate world in healthcare. Were you nervous starting this buyer's agent business? I, mate, I remember it was the scariest thing I think I've ever done in my life because you build up this lifestyle that you become accustomed to, right? You've got, mm. you know, I've got kids at private school, got all these different, you know, commitments with investment properties and development projects and, you know, I need a certain amount of borrowing capacity and that stable kind of PAYG job, as any mortgage broker will tell you, so much easier to get approved in a loan than not. And so leaving a six-figure salary job to go into your own business and start it off, and even though there was a little transitionary period, I'll never forget that fear that I felt of, you know, all those things coming to your mind. Can I do this? Will I fail? What's the backup plan? But I even thought to myself, I thought, you know, if this fails, what's the worst that can happen? Really, at the end of the day, I'll just go back into the pharmaceutical industry. I'll probably downgrade my position. Um, worst case, I thought, I'd even go work at Macca's because you know what? I feel so free right now. I feel like a bird that's been let out of a cage that I don't think I could ever really walk back into that cage. So I would do something completely different if it ever failed. But, you know, the way things have been going, I don't see that happening. You never know what the future holds. Um, but I think walking out of, walking through, I should say, that fear is probably the bravest thing I've ever done because um, you really feel, but you've got to feel it as well. So as you walk through it, you really got to feel the fear and experience it and just accept it and know that it's okay. It's normal to feel that fear and then just walk past it. And But if you stay in the fear, it's, it's such a – it's pretty, you know, it's limiting. So I think for me it was that journey of walking through and really putting myself out there and even doing things like this. You know me, I, I, two, two years ago I wasn't even on social media. I would never myself out there. It just wasn't who I was as a person. But now I'm comfortable with it. You know, I, I've come to accept myself for who I am and, I think I'm all right. And if people don't think that, then that's okay. No one, everyone has to like me. Whereas before, I wanted everyone to like me. Um, but now if people don't, that's okay. You know, we're all different. We're all connected with different people. So you don't need to, to need to like me. It's not a prerequisite. If you want to work with me, you probably need to like me. Um, but that's okay as well if you don't. So there's plenty of other people that you connect with. And I think um, when, I, when we have calls with clients, we've got one straight after this, you know, there needs to be that connection, that fit, because people – especially in the service industry, you've got all this wealth of knowledge and qualifications and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of us can do that. 
but you need to have a fit too. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, a game right now. So what are you, are you focusing just on resi? Are you harnessing your development background and working with some clients looking to get into that space? Are you doing investment more than owner rock? Like what's happening with a game? But it's evolving. You know, I started off doing more resi than investment and this year it's becoming more investment than resi. And that's my passion, to be honest. I mean, I love helping people buy their homes and that is a bit of a passion project. And it's, it's always going to be there, especially in Bayside, Melbourne, where I, I live and work. It's my passion. I develop only in the Bay because my dream as a kid was to live by the Bay. So that's how I, I got here practically. I properly developed my way to Bayside, um, Melbourne. So the way the business is heading this year, there's a lot more investor focus than there was last year. So the, the percentage split has shifted, probably the other way around. And looking at sort of expanding more into more of that investment side of things in terms of property investment, but development as well. So there's a lot more developers that are coming on board, more novice developers that just don't know what they're doing for the first time around. So finding some development sites for them, making sure they're viable and feasible and doing all that side of things where people are still not sure. Because for your first one, there's just a lot of variables that I found out the hard way 15 years ago uh, when I just winged it and bought my first development site. And I'll never forget, you know, I knew that that would be a viable site. I mean, I did a little bit of DD, but not a lot. And um, I remember being a house away from a street that had a single covenant um, overlay on it, and I didn't even know that. And I'm thinking, I'm glad this one didn't have it, but it didn't, great. But I didn't know, so I could have quite easily made that mistake. And I remember my, you know, not knowing anything about builders and then, you know, signing up with a builder and then he went under and I just had this, you know, I had a four-year-old and Martha was pregnant with our 20-year-old, 20 weeks pregnant with our second child and we moved from this beautiful house in Roseville, 40-square house, ready to rock, in between both parents, you know, building babysitters. And I moved away because I had this passion to be close to the beach. And I convinced my wife to, to share that passion and she supported me, but she was 20 weeks pregnant. And we moved into this 60s original renovator's delight, if you could call it, but it was like a renovator's detonator. It had no heating, no cooling. It was just atrocious, but it was two minutes walk to the beach, the bay here, um, the station, the shops. It was where I wanted to be, you know, and that was 15 years ago. And I never looked back, but there was so many dark moments, Ben, where you just go, oh, man, is this the right call? Did I do the right thing? Um, is this going to work out? But um, but in saying that, you, we work through those things and in every project that's come thereafter, there's always been a massive challenge where you think to yourself, oh, man, this is so we're gonna Are we going to fold here or are we going to get through this one? And I reckon it's happened in every single project. You know, the bigger the projects, like the more sort of high-end stuff, the more risky it gets. But, you know, my wife's an amazing person. Um, she's also an awesome accountant who has her own business as well and we've been an awesome team because she's really good with the number crunching and the viability stuff, which I've become really good at too through, through her coaching. And I'm all that strategic, visionary, bigger picture kind of person that's now learned how to do the grunt work, the, you know, the detail work and having her as a, you know, on my team and just working together with her, we just get some really good outcomes. I love that. Um, it's great that you guys can work together. There's complementary skill set. 
obviously the I think the biggest thing that you said is you know she fully supports you, which I think is is incredible, especially like getting out of corporate. I I know from obviously running an education business that a lot of the 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 other halves, whether it's a spouse or just partner, like some of them just don't support, and then one of them wants to go do something like career change or do something different and the yep. other's roadblocking. That that that's fucking tough. Mate, you're right. I, I think that's because I was the one that was roadblocking. I think saying, Oh, I don't know if I can do this, you know, she's had so much more faith than I've had in myself in you know over the years. And she was the one that was supporting me and pushing me to, to leave. Um, and now she sort of loves to see, I told you, you could do it. Um, and you know, it's the same for me to her. It's amazing how I just think you just need to have that, you know, amazing teamwork and fit to partner. Cause you know, any relationship takes a lot of work, right? Especially when you have kids, add kids into the mix. But when you really support each other and you're on the same page and you help each other grow, um, it's an amazing thing to have that kind of life partnership that. You know, my parents didn't have. I didn't see that as role model growing up. So when I found her 24 years ago, I remember I was only 22 and I thought, mate, I've got to snap this amazing lady up ASAP because women like her, I can't find them. And luckily she thought the same thing about me, Benny. So I got, I got lucky is probably the word for it. And it's, um, and she stuck around, you know, there's been some hard times, as you know, through the ride, but, um, there's good times now and life is always full of ups and downs, you know. We've all got a story, we've all got a journey and it's about how we get through that and enjoy it versus grinding through it, really. I love it. Well, mate, as we finish up, I guess what I admire about A-Game and what, you, what you've what you developed is it's a very intimate style of business. You, you want to keep it that way where you're working very much with your clients. They're not getting obviously palmed off to an associate or – and you just really developed this business where you're getting a lot of referrals from past clients, which is clearly a testament to the good work that you're doing. And as you said, you're looking to expand your investment arm, which is obviously going to go interstate, I believe, right? Um, man, well done. I think changing careers is fucking yeah. hard. Um, you, as you just said, your wife was more confident than you were, which I think is amazing that you have someone like a support mechanism like that who, who really believed in you. Um, but well done to you, dude. I mean, you've you've really come out of the, the yeah. woodworks. You've really developed a great business. You've, you're on social media now, which is great. Um, and you're just helping a lot of clients and you're doing great things. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. And it's been great just, you know, having you in my corner as well and having support. Thanks for today as well, mate. Jimbo, before we jump, where can people um, – I know you're based in Melbourne, but where can people um, – visit your website or any socials. They'll be in the show notes, but just where can people see you? Yeah, so it's agameadvisory.com.au. So A-G-A-M-E advisory.com.au. They can contact me through there and my number's on there as well. Unreal. Catch you soon. <laughs>